talk to one another, and, uh, and I didn't notice an awful lot of elbow greetings, but uh, uh, it is good to be together as God's people. Uh, there are no specific announcements that I am aware of this morning. Uh, continue to pray for call committee and, and board of deacons council as they continue the process of trying to discern, Lord, who would you have come to be our pastor? And I have been praying that God's going to open the gates that need to be opened, will close the doors that need to be closed, and that God is going to give wise understanding to minds and hearts right here in the congregation who eventually will vote to either, yes, extend a call, or no, not this one, and that God would be preparing the heart of that pastor that would come and minister among you and love you and, and help guide and guard you. So that's a lot of stuff to pray for there. Another thing, obviously, our country is in great need of prayer. With the unrest that is arising in cities and apparently seems to be a number of folk that are very excited to throw more gasoline on fires rather than to, to help healing take place. So we need to pray for that. Uh, obviously, the president has made a, a nomination for a person to fulfill uh, the Supreme Court empty seat left by uh, Justice Ginsburg. Again, pray for the Senate now who has to weigh those kind of issues and eventually vote yes or no on, uh, on this new nomination. So we have a lot of stuff to pray. And we have a God who cares about that. Even last night late, my son, who's a pastor down in Los Angeles in San Pedro, there was an attempted execution of a police officer right in the, in the Harbor Division of the Los Angeles Police Department, right where my son ministers as pastor. Uh, it's frightening in a world that is going against God's heart. We continue to pray that we would be flowing with God's grace and favor. Let's get rid of all the junk that may be carrying around our ankles. Let's confess our sins and hear God's word of promised forgiveness. I'd invite you to stand. Together, let us pray. Almighty God, our maker and redeemer, we poor sinners confess to you that we are by nature sinful and unclean and that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Therefore, we plead for refuge to your infinite mercy and ask you for Christ's sake, grant us forgiveness of all our sins and by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will and true obedience to your word to the end that by your grace we may come to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It is the promise of God to his people that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just 
And he offers us the forgiveness of all our sins and a cleansing of us from all unrighteousness. Because of who he is and what he has said and done, to you who believe, I declare his promise, the full forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Now a little bit of heads up. We're going to be looking at John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and we know when that took place and we celebrate it the end of every December. And so you're going to hear a lot of the end of every December songs this morning. Enjoy, even if we're getting a head start on the rest of the church. God's bless you as we worship together.
We hear the word of the living God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cries out, saying, This is he who I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because of me, because of he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And then from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the time had come, fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under, the, under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Here ends the reading. May sit down. It is a joy yet once again to gather together as God's people to having heard his word and now to spend some time digging into it and the rest of the stuff that will take place today. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, a day that once again we are reminded that Jesus took on flesh. The very word of life has taken on our life. I pray, Lord, that as we spend time now in your word, that your spirit would speak to our hearts that you would help us, Lord, to, to believe and trust in all that you have done in order that we might have life and salvation. We thank you, Lord, for these many things, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we have been walking through the beginning parts of the, the Gospel of John, uh, we have seen a number of things already. One, that that John writes about this word. In the beginning was the word. And we find out that that word was not only with the eternal God, but that word was the eternal God. And we find out that he is the route through which everything was created. And without him, 
was not anything made that was made. He was before anything was created. He was the avenue through which everything came into existence. Things that we can see and, and things that we can't see. The things of nature that are beyond our finest telescopes or microscopes to understand. Jesus is the very route that those things came into existence. The Word became flesh. We just heard. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Word became flesh. Uh, that, that's why we're singing the Christmas songs this morning. Because it sings about that wondrous thing called the incarnation. Uh, it Enfleshment. Uh, occasionally, our family likes to go to uh, Chipotle. And we will order, and not all the time, but I just got a text message a week or two ago that says, good news, carne asada is back. That, that's where we get our word incarnation, not with the asada, but, but enfleshment. It's back. Yippee! Now we can have something new when we go over to Chipotle. God is doing something new. For his eternal existence, the one who comes to be known as the Lord Jesus Christ has always existed in spirit. But it was not until the enfleshment, the incarnation, that that Jesus from forever took on human flesh. Back a couple years ago, actually the year was 1522, there was a priest in Germany by the name of Martin Luther. You may have heard of him. Uh, he was sort of a, a mover and a shaker in the theological realm, in the music realm, even in the political realm. And, and on that Christmas time in 1522, Luther preaches about this section, the word becoming flesh. Uh, Luther says, John's entire gospel insists on this truth, that, that Jesus is sent of God and is the Son of God. John continually proves Christ, the Son of God, and sent of the Father. He who does not believe that Christ is true God is lost. In John 8, Except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. The first chapter of John, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And again, in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. By the way, uh, an aside, if you read Luther's works, you read some of his sermons, he never puts a verse number in it. He will talk about chapters, John 14 or some other place. He never talks about verses. And do you know why? 
verses hadn't been invented yet. You realize Luther never read a single verse of scripture? Because verse numbers weren't put on till more than a century after Luther died. They just had chapters during Luther's day. So don't, don't get confused if you ever end up reading some of Luther's works and, and they don't have the verses in there. And if they do, it's just some extra added bonus that the translator has thrown in for you. I continue on his sermon. And the reason that we must believe if we would be saved is this. The soul cannot and should not be content with anything but the highest good. It's creator and foundation of its life and salvation. No one, no one but God deserves the creature's confidence. Therefore, he himself came to earth as man, gave himself for man, and draws man into himself, inviting him to believe in him. No necessity on God's part demands that he came to earth. Hear that again. It was no necessity on God's part that Jesus came to earth. Jesus didn't need Christmas. God the Father didn't need Christmas. We needed Christmas. Because without Jesus taking on human flesh, without Christmas, we are in a whole world of hurt. The necessity was ours. It was for our benefit. Now, if we were not to cleave by faith unto Christ as true God, God would be robbed of the honor due to him, and we of life and salvation. It's our duty to believe in God only, whom is the truth. And without him, we cannot be saved. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Some of you may have spent some time looking at uh, the, the footnotes or other things in your translations of the Bible. And oftentimes when it talks about he came and dwelt among us, there might be a little footnote and you look at the bottom of the page and it says tabernacle. He came and dwelt among us. He came and pitched his tent right where we were. And that's the picture of what Jesus has done when he has taken on human flesh. He came to dwell in our midst. And it's the very word that's used to describe the tabernacle, uh, the tent of meeting in the time of Moses. And do you remember what happened at that tent of meeting? When it was all made and designed, and pretty soon God showed up, and this awesome glory filled the place? Or years, centuries later, when, when David had designed and Solomon had built the temple, and, and they set a time for, we are going to dedicate this temple at this point? And back when I was at Bible school, we did some quick math. And we found out that if you had a train car that had three levels to it for stock, and you filled it completely with sheep, three levels high, you would need more than 88 
train cars to take the number of sheep that was used for the sacrifice at the dedication of the temple. That's an awful lot of sacrifice. And it was a fellowship offering, which meant that, that as that sacrifice, the finest parts were given to God. God loved the spleen. I don't know why, but he thought that was pretty cool. And he says, you guys get the rest. And with that fellowship offering, they had the biggest barbecue that Israel has ever seen, enjoying the goodness of God's grace and favor. And as that took place, and, and as the Levites, the, the, the liturgical choir, was singing the psalms of praise, all of a sudden it says, the glory of God came and descended and filled the temple. And it was so awe-filled that the Levites and the priests had to skedaddle out of there. They had to get out because the presence of God was so powerful. That's the kind of picture that John is writing. And the word became flesh and he dwelt among us full of glory. That's talking about Jesus coming. The word became flesh. He dwelt among us. We find out that the word is the only son of the Father. Now, we're going to find out later on that there's other sons that God invites, sons and daughters, that he, that he invites into his kingdom, makes his own through adoption. But there is a uniqueness. In fact, the, the specific Greek word that is used, uh, monogenos, it is meaning essentially that he is the one of a kind Son of God. There has never been any other. There will never be any other like the sonship that Jesus has in relationship to the Father. And he comes. He is full of grace. And he is full of truth. And that grace and that truth he pours out upon us who believe who he is and what he has done. And we find out that all this that is taking place at just the perfect time. As we heard that, uh, that section from Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. God sent forth his unique and one-of-a-kind son who is actually going to be born in the birthing process that all life of humans experience coming into this world. Now, there's a lot of terms that we use to, to describe that, that perfect time. Maybe, maybe some of these have come out of your mouth, and maybe these are things that you've heard. But just in the nick of time, something happened. Oh, they were in the boxing ring. It looked horrible, but... He was saved by the bell. Before he got to the 10 count, the bell rang and whew, he skated by on that one. At just the precise moment, or and not a minute too soon, or at that last possible moment when 
when anything could happen, it did. Or, as it says here in Galatians, in the fullness of time. There are those who think Jesus came at the wrong time. Uh, and in fact, uh, back in 1970, two extremely talented musicians, uh, Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber, you may have heard their names, they teamed up and, and they, they wrote a rock opera, Jesus Christ, Superstar. Remember that back in the early 70s. And there were some things I liked about it and some things I didn't care for too much, especially because it was so heartwarming and attracting but a lot of the things that were attracting were coming out of the doubts of a guy by the, by the name of uh, Judas. There's one particular song that uh, uh, Judas is sort of accusing Jesus and actually the father of uh, mistiming everything. Every time I look at you, I don't understand why you let the things you do get so out of hand. You'd have managed better if you'd had a plan. Why'd you choose such a backward time in such a strange land? If you'd come today, you could have reached the whole nation. Israel in 4 BC had no mass communication. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I just want to know, how come you messed up so bad in your timing? Well, Paul writing to the Galatians, wants them to know that God has not messed up in his timing. About 300 years before that, the coming of Jesus in the flesh, there was a, a conquering military hero. His name was Alexander. Pretty great guy, at least in his day. That's why they gave him the name the Great, Alexander the Great. Why, there was Alexandria down in Egypt because his power extended down to there. And a whole power, a whole Mediterranean basin, all of a sudden, because of what Alex the Great had done, ended up having a common language. Oh, it wasn't perfect classical Greek, but it was the, the koine, the common Greek. And whether you were down in, in, in Athens, if you were over in Tripoli, if you were in Rome, if you were anywhere in the Mediterranean basin, the common language for commerce was Koine Greek. A hundred years later, the, the Greek culture didn't disappear, but its power did, and, and into that vacuum came Rome. And now, all of a sudden, there's something else that takes place. They, they called it the, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, which was definitely Roman, but it wasn't very peaceful. But what happened? Now, all of a sudden, there are roadways. Some of those roadways still exist now, more than 2,000 years later, because of the way they were able to do things. The Appian Way and so many other things, the, the, the aqueducts that were providing water, culture was, was becoming stable. 
And so not only was there now a, a common language, the Koine Greek, now there was, there was a common network of travel. You know, almost all of the New Testament is written in that Koine Greek. So on the highways and the, and the shipping lanes, the truth of the gospel now had a chance to reach the world in a way never conceived of at any other time. Imagine what God is doing as he begins to think about and, and spin the universe into existence. Where he, he sets this globe that we call earth in such a perfect situation where it circles the sun, our beautiful star, at a 22 and a half degree angle. If it wasn't that way, our life couldn't exist. We wouldn't uh, be seeing those beautiful fall-colored leaves out there if our earth was perfectly up and down compared to the sun. We would have a scorched area in the middle and nothing but frost belt up on the top and down on the bottom and a couple livable zones away from the equator, but not so far north or south. God's spinning it all into existence. And in his timing, he knows exactly what's going to take place. In the fullness of time, at just the perfect moment, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to receive people like you and me who are under the law. God didn't make a mistake when he chose to send Jesus when he sent him. It was in God's wisdom when the time was just perfect. The fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Again, in that uh, 1522 Christmas sermon, he tells us what it is that we really need to believe concerning the Christ. So rich in meaning is this verse. I'm not sure I'll be able to, to do justice in my explanation. It is not enough merely to believe that Christ is come. We must believe also what Paul states here, that he is sent of God and is the son of God, that he is true man, that his mother was a virgin, that he alone has fulfilled the law and not for his sake, but for our good to secure us grace forever. Certainly the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had no need of Christmas, but we did. I have often thought that the most traumatic thing that Jesus went through was the cross. 
My mind sometimes calls that into question. I think there was a bigger, difficult change that Jesus went through. Imagine the God who created the entire universe and keeps it running. Put all of that aside. J.B. Phillips in his translation says about uh, Philippians chapter 2, all those prerogatives that he had, he put on the shelf. To be used later on, he put it in storage that he would take on human flesh. Can you imagine what it was like? The one who caused everything to be had to wear a diaper because now he couldn't control his bladder for a time. Had the word of God had to learn how to speak other than cries of I'm hungry and I'm wet. All that he had, he put aside because he was looking forward to something that was going to be really exciting for you. Many of you know that my son David, our youngest son, has had some struggles. And since I've been coming here since Easter, He's had some really big-time major surgery. They were going to go and take out part of his pancreas. Doesn't sound like fun. But David had had so many painful experiences over the last year and a half with acute pancreatitis. But the pain was, was beyond him to be able to describe. And as the pain from that last bout was finally calmed down, the doctor said, we think the only way to solve this is to do some really major surgery. And so from sternum to below his belly button, they opened him up. They, they rearranged some of his digestive issues. They took off the head of the pancreas. They, they did a pile of other things. And... and David knew he was going to be filled with pain. But he was looking forward to having that done. Why? Because the ugliness was so painful to experience that he was willing to go through some extra pain so that on the other side there would be deliverance. In Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Jesus incarnated. And it says, who for the joy that was set before him, out, out, out distant wise, endured the cross, despised the shame. And again, it wasn't because he needed it. It was because there were people that he loved with a Love that is so far beyond our ability to understand. That he was willing to go through that pain for you. 
for me. For the joy that was set before him, he gave up his godly prerogatives to take on flesh. Who, for the joy out there in the distance, he endured the cross. Who, who for the chance of bringing many into his family, he endured the shame. Took on human flesh. Became a, a slave. A servant. All that we might be his own to live under him in his kingdom. The gospel. The gospel is here. And it has come for us to hear it with our ears to believe it and trust it in our heart and to know it in our head. God has taken on human flesh to redeem those who are under the curse of the law. And, and if we have failed in one point, we are completely guilty of all the law. Jesus took on flesh to redeem those of us under the curse of the law. Jesus has taken on flesh so that you and I might receive adoption as his dearly beloved children. That we might become younger brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ through adoption into his kingdom. Jesus took on human flesh to enable God to send the spirit of his son into our hearts that we too might cry out, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father. It was always interesting. My oldest son would frequently refer to me as Dad. And now I've become Poppy uh, because I've added a generation between me and his kids. I always loved being called dad. But if there was something serious he needed to talk to me about, he didn't call me daddy. Didn't call me dad. It was father. And I knew something serious was coming. And he tells us that as he sends his spirit we don't need to, to separate ourselves and sense a separation between us and the Father. But his spirit moves within our heart that we can say, Daddy, which is what Abba means. Jesus has taken on human flesh so that we would no longer be slaves, but would become the very children of God. Jesus has taken on human flesh so that by his power, not only are we the children of God, we are the heirs of everything that he has. How do we do it? We let God do his thing. We let God send his son to take on human flesh 
We let God pour His Spirit into our hearts. We allow Him and step out of the way when He wants to grow faith into us. And when those ugly seeds of doubt want to raise their heads, we step back and we say, God, you know what's best. We put it in your hands. May that be the word that comes to us. Lord, may we believe what you've done so that we could have life and salvation with you forever. And I would pray, Lord Jesus, that you would guide us and lead us in a peace and a faith that comes from you alone. You would help us by your grace to believe, Lord. And when the liar comes and we throw confusion and doubt, help us learn to turn to you with thankfulness for the victory that you've won for us. And I pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm going to invite you now to stand as together we sing. It is together as the people of God that we proclaim our faith in that true and living God. This morning we use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, the Almighty, from where he will come. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We're going to join together now once again at a time of corporate prayer, inviting you also to join in that prayer and to help those who are distant from us uh, uh, on YouTube or one of the others, if you would please use the microphone so that they can hear and join in the prayers also. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for your love and grace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that uh, this invitation of prayer comes from you. And that, Father, you love to hear the prayers of your children. So give us boldness, Lord, to pray as inspired by your Spirit. Give us grace we need, Lord, this day. Dear God, uh, thank you for caring so much for us. And even though we're a tiny speck in your universe, just uh, that you are able to put everything else aside to care for us. And Father, we pray for uh, especially families who are uh, trying to deal with a whole new kind of educational systems that uh, are different from the past years, where a whole pile of people that never expected to have become homeschoolers and homeschooled. We pray, Lord, that the informational things that they need to be preparing their life for living in this world, whether it's reading or math or science, that you would help them to learn the things that are important, that you would bless them and keep them. I pray also, Lord Jesus, for, for families that are trying to still get this organized, that uh, you'd give them the grace that they need. We'd lift up also, Lord, before you, those who are the first responders, those who are in law enforcement, those who fight fires, those who are first at the scene when there are injuries and accidents. I pray that you would protect them, Lord Jesus. Protect them from uh, the perils of their jobs. But especially, Lord, protect them from the evil and wickedness in hearts. We thank you, Lord, for those who, who do their best to keep our lives safe. We pray your protection and grace upon them. We pray that you would surround the families that love them, that may be filled with fear every time their loved one walks out of the house, not sure what's going to happen. Meet them with your grace and your peace, Lord Jesus. We pray for 
the things of our country on a national level, as in not many weeks, Lord, our citizens will make a choice of who they would like to serve as president, as representatives in the House of Representatives, a third of the senators. And Lord, even now as these days, uh, the preparation for a, a new Supreme Court, Associate Justice, we pray for your mercy upon our land, Lord. I would pray, Lord, the things that are before us, we would see as the things that are coming from your good and gracious hand. We pray, Lord Jesus, that more than anything, you would allow us to choose the people that we need at this particular point in history. Especially, I pray, Lord Jesus, that uh, what takes place would not harm your body, the church, but that you would help us to shine as lights in a dark place. You would help us to be that city that is set upon a hill, that you would give to us wisdom, Lord, and gracious, loving hearts, especially, Lord, to those with whom we disagree. Give us the grace we need, Lord, to wait patiently upon your hand, knowing that in your perfect timing, even in sending Jesus, Lord, the time was right for him, and this time is right for us. Help us be at peace in that. For those families that are struggling with separation because of quarantine and, and virus, we pray that you would surround them with the grace and favor that they need, especially those who are, are dealing with uh, troublesome health issues, Lord, and may be susceptible. We pray that you would encourage their hearts, and whether it's through electronics or through windows, that, that you would allow them to be loved by those that know them and support them. Give them your peace and grace, I pray, Lord. Lord God, I lift up before you the children's ministry. I lift up before you the new Delta plan. I lift up before you Denise and her plans for this week to open Elim for the children to come, Lord. So I ask for a great awakening for the parents to send their children, Lord. Would you send your spirit out and invite many to come, Lord? And would you just fill these halls with your word? And, and I just lift up praises to you, Jesus, that you come for the little ones, Lord. And I ask that you bless the hands that are willing to serve you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, Father, we ask that your spirit of wisdom and discernment continue to rest upon the deacons, the servants of, of the entire body of Christ here, Lord. We pray that 
your work continues to be done through our confirmation class. We ask your blessing upon the students as well as the fellow deacons who are teaching. Lord, we also ask your wisdom and discernment upon the deacons as they prepare to recommend a pastor for the consideration of the congregation who are here. We ask, Lord, that these choices, these decisions, be in consonance with your will, obedient to your will, Lord. We ask that it also be pleasing in your sight. For Christ's sake. And Father, for this entire call process, pray that you would give wisdom and patience and grace, that you would move minds and hearts along the direction of who it is that you would have served this congregation as pastor. Lay your hand upon this congregation. And lay your hand upon that one that you are preparing for here, Lord, to hear your voice in your time. We pray all of these things, Lord Jesus, in your precious name, even as you taught your people to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I'd invite you now to open your hands, to open your hearts, and receive the blessing of God who loves you so very much. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with the greatest of all his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing song of the Father's love begotten.
and the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us because you were worth it. Know that he loves you that much and go in his peace. Thank you.